Welcome back to Fleshing It Out. This shame series is all about sex. And I'm not going to lie, for me, it started out feeling awkward, but by the end, I think it was one of my favorites because it really goes to show how much we need to normalize conversations around this. And so in this series, we talk about everything from things being awkward to trauma to things you can do to spice it up. And so I encourage you to listen to all the episodes, but of course, be mindful for what's right for you. If anything is triggering, please seek out professional help. We also have some great VIPs on our website that can help starting to unpack a little bit of that. So you can find them on samanthaspittle.com slash VIPs. Today's guest is Tiffany Dawn. I'm excited to share our conversation because one thing that kept coming up throughout these conversations is I kept thinking about kind of the effect of purity culture that it has on us and the shame around sex. And of course, regardless of your choices, one overarching message from these conversations has been, you do you, you know, you have your own boundaries, your values. And so But of course, you want to have a good sex life, right? And I think that's something that in the Christian world or or even religious world, you know, these are things I think that can be talked about, whatever your background is, but there's so much shame around sex. And so I was excited to kind of sit down and, and talk about it in the context of when you have strong religious beliefs and what does sex look like there? Spoiler alert, she wants women to have an amazing sex life. So join Tiffany and I as we flush it out. I would love to have you introduce yourself and yeah, just start okay. picking your your sex brain. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So I'm Tiffany Dodd. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I when Samantha reached out and said, Do you want to come on my podcast and talk about sex? I was like, heck yes. I love talking about sex. My husband says, if you want to keep me up past 10 PM, just bring up boys or sex. And I will stay up as late as you want talking about it. It is like, I love talking about this. Um, and so I'm passionate about it because I think there's so many women who don't have a really beautiful, enjoyable and healthy sex life without shame and without obligation to just be able to be like, I enjoy this and I don't feel like I have to do this whenever my husband wants. It's just like this true freedom to like be there together and and, an orgasm, you know, and enjoy it and all that. And so I just, I want to talk about it because I want every woman to have a beautiful sex life. And I just think there hasn't been enough conversation about it in church circles to to get there. So yeah, so I'm excited to be here. Yay. Well, thank you. And as I said, you know, we, we are exploring sex shame series right now, but we also have religion coming up. And I said, I was talking Mm -hmm. to my husband, like, will we do, we have a, this could be a bonus episode or we'll put it in religion or we'll really reduce it. I mean, release it twice because it's so prevalent. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of where I wanted to reach out to you specifically, because what I found in my conversations is it almost felt like two me, me, none of the, none of my conversations in my brain, it was like, I'm having a sex conversation and we're Mm -hmm. not thinking about religion. It's two different things, Mm -hmm. you know, because Mm -hmm. I want to like, one of my goals is how do we normalize the conversations around sex? How do we make it not this shameful thing? And Uh it feels like we have to go to that spectrum. This is my own feelings. No one Uh else made me feel this way. My own end of the spectrum of like, Oh, you must have to just jump totally over here. And mm. I started thinking like, well, what does it look like in the context of whether it's faith or just different values? And I'm very pleasantly surprised that my biggest takeaway from all my conversations is that like what your values and beliefs and things are for you is okay. Mm. Like no matter who you're with, like communicating uh-huh. that, being okay with your own boundaries. Mm. That's like step number one. You never have yeah. to do or go anywhere that is not good for you. And um, that is something that is not taught in church circles. Is it okay if I talk a little bit about like the church side of it too in today's conversation? No, that, that's what actually I would love okay. to do because okay. that's why I was like, you know what? We've talked a lot about sex and yeah. um, we've had that conversation. And it's like, because I, I was kind of tiptoeing because And like, because I'm also in my own, like, what do I believe? And sure, Uh what I don't know if I'm, I just don't know, you know, Yeah, which is okay Uh to think that that's like a new thought for me too. It is okay. I know. Okay. To not know. That is also something I never thought was okay. Yes. Yes. Um, So much relief though. 
Yes. So I would actually love to frame today's conversation in the faith and even Christianity kind of mm. bubble, if you will. Okay. Yeah. Because I would, there are so many people who I think there's even a fear of talking about sex because it feels like mm. you have to go outside of your, if you, if you do, right. no one wants to live in a box, but if you do feel like you're in this place, uh-huh. it can feel scary. It feels like you're going out into the, the open world where there's right. danger and, <laughs> and all this stuff. Yeah. So I would love to pick your brain of like, all right, come on, ladies and husbands, like, let's have a nice little, let's put it in the Christian framework yeah, and talk about sex, that it's okay for a woman who is passionate about the Lord also is using (laughs) the word orgasm. Yeah, (laughs) please do. (laughs) I mean, who made it really? (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. So yeah, I would love, like, that's why I'm like, oh. Like this would be good in religion for December, but oh, it's so long to wait to release it. So that's my only thing is good I'm like a kid you on Christmas. That far ahead. Oh my gosh. I am not that organized. So I think we might wait for religion. Yeah. I'm just like a kid Whatever on Christmas where do. I want to really, yeah. you know, I want to open it now. I want people right. to hear it now. So we might do both. We'll see. We'll see. Whatever but you want to do for today. Let's, let's, let's jump into the religion. Yeah. Let's talk okay. about the purity culture. Let's talk about yeah. the shame because you know, I don't want the other thing too, is from a faith perspective, you know, as I said, my husband and I are questioning and, and in a good way, right? Like mm-hmm. it's like yeah. so good to question and to, to really dig into your beliefs. And mm-hmm. I don't want people to feel like they have to land, you know, the in a certain place, place. You were, I yeah. do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. And just, you know, but we're all navigating different yet similar roads. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I want a safe place where, you know, Christians can listen, you know, or people of faith or to even just understand faith might not be a part of their journey, but maybe someone in their life. And so I think that's really important. So, well, it's tricky too, because so much of what we're told it in church circles is like, this is black and white. This is clear cut. Isn't really either. It's not actually in the Bible. Like for example, growing up and being told here are the boundaries for Mm. quote unquote modesty or physical boundaries and relationships or all that, like we're adding to it. And it's, I feel like there's so many thoughts in my head right now, but it's almost like the Pharisees did that. And Jesus Mm -hmm. called them on it constantly. Like Mm -hmm. God didn't actually say that you're like adding stuff here and it's too heavy for people to carry. And just to realize, like, we all are going to come to different conclusions, like on, on different things. Like Paul even said, you know, for some people eating food offered to idols is going to go against their conscience and they shouldn't do that. And for other people it's fine. And there's nothing wrong with it. And so I think Mm -hmm. we have to, like, I think that's been one of the harmful things about the way we've approached sexuality in churches is that it's all seen as so black and white, mm-hmm. everything. And even in the way we look at the Bible, like this sacred ancient text, we don't understand all of the cultural connotations in these different passages where Paul talks about different things. And just to understand, like there's room for nuance, there's room for gray. And I think God intended it that way because then if we just had this like rule book, like who would need God? You know, I remember like when I started driving, I was driving home from church. I had my permit and my dad was there and he was telling me where to turn like right before I needed to make the turn. I'm like, dad, could you please just tell me every step of the way I will memorize it and I will drive home. And he's like, but this is how God works because otherwise you wouldn't need me. Like if you knew every Uh. step exactly. And I feel like sometimes that's like the way the Bible is written was just so intentional on God's part to have the gray, to have the nuance, because then it pulls us into this relationship with God to say like, what does this mean? And realize it's not a cookie cutter for everybody. So mm. yeah, I'm beautiful. I know this doesn't, it, it all relates back to sex though. And to purity. No, it culture. totally does. But that, because that's the thing is I think, you know, I think we, as humans, we like black and white. I mean, our brains, yes. if you think of those brain teasers where it says mm-hmm. like, look at the picture yeah, and, and the so lines true. connect, you know, and then uh-huh. you look at it, it's like the lines aren't connected. That's your brain uh-huh. finishing the picture. So it's like just that alone. I feel like our brains are literally wired to just make nice connections. Yes. That's why, that's why we have that's shame so stories, uh-huh. you know, cause it's like, we want to make our brains, we want to make sense of things. And so the Bible can literally be like, it feels like, oh my gosh, this is it. These are the answers. It is in here. Uh And, 
So, you know, and not everyone and listening who knows where they land, way. but yes. And especially at first, and then it feels yes. like you're smothering, yes. <laughs> but at first it feels very safe. There's this, yeah. I'm, I'm reading this book, um, out of sorts by Sarah Bessie and it's absolutely fantastic. Um, but in it, she's talking about these stages of development spiritually that kind of correlate with like physical development for kids. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the guy who came up with it. Cause she's talking about someone else's research, but it starts off how like as a kid, like you need that black and whiteness, you need those answers. You're always looking yeah. to ask questions, but it's not like you're just looking to ask like it starts off, you're asking questions because you want to go deeper and you want to be like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like, why is that? It's not this blind acceptance, it's questions. Um, And then it goes on to become like in adolescence, like this is a more authoritarian thing. Like if this doesn't fit with what is accepted, it feels wrong. And a lot of people never leave those stages, but you can go on to more internalize it and go through really this deconstruction phase, deconstruction Mm is a newer term for it, but it's nothing new. It's been happening Mm -hmm. all throughout church history. And so you can go through that and come into this place where there's like, it's more grounded, it's more holistic. And she explains it so much better in her book. But I think those black and white answers when we're starting feel safe, but I don't think we were meant to stay there. I think it's meant to be a beginning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just yeah. What we're saying well said, that. love that. Well said. I would love to hear kind of like a a quick story. I mean, no yeah. time limits, so don't feel like rushed or anything. But to kind of just give us all a framework of kind of how you know you, you talk about um, shedding the good girl, uh, the good Christian girl. Uh huh. Outgrowing the good Christian girl. Yep. Yes, outgrowing the good really Christian girl. Fun so, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of give us a little like how. How, what does that look like for you? Yeah. You know, where you were younger, where you're at now and how mm-hmm. this good Christian girl is using words like sex and orgasm now. <laughs> how did we get here, Tiffany? How did we get here? That's a great question. So I grew up in church. My dad was the kids pastor at our church and um, it was a mostly white, um, evangelical, very Pentecostal, very charismatic church. And I was also homeschooled, the oldest of five children. And my parents were very strict about what we could listen to. I remember like we watched Cinderella once. My mom's like, never again. There's magic in this. You cannot watch any more Disney movies. So we were very, very um, sheltered or it was a very strict. And it's funny because like my mom is completely a different person now. Like she's gone through this whole deconstruction process. And it's just like been so cool to watch her journey because it kind of I feel like it gives me permission to be like, this is okay that I'm going through this too. You know, when your mom goes through that, but um, side note, isn't that funny how like we still want that permission? Like, Oh, if you do, but it's like side note listeners, you don't need your parents' permission to go through the deconstruction, but isn't that funny how it's like, I even felt myself being like, Oh, that's so nice. Like, Oh yeah. Wonderful. It just feels like permission part, like assurance. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true. I I just have so much respect for people who don't have that parental permission in a sense, but they still go through it. That takes a lot of courage. Um, But I was, I'm thankful that my mom went through that. But anyway, so yeah, homeschooled, very conservative. And I don't remember ever talking about sex. Like I did not even know bodily anatomy. Um, Mm -hmm. I did not know the name vagina. Like, I, is it okay if I say these words? I'm assuming yes. it's a sex podcast. Yes. So, you know, yeah. okay. you can say all the words and okay. all the curse words. I mean, I, I tend to curse sometimes. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I just like, we, I never even knew those words and mm-hmm. I knew like, they'd say, you know, it's what, you know, married, we're going to have married people's time or whatever, but I had no idea. I, I remember a guy at youth group putting his arm around me one time and I bit him. <laughs> like literally bit him. Cause I just like, yes. didn't know what was okay. And I yeah. didn't know what would get me pregnant. Like, I know that sounds yes. insane, but like, I had no, no. idea. Mm-hmm. And so I was afraid of everything. And I felt like boys were just kind of not that boys were evil, but like girl boy stuff yeah. like, was yeah. wrong. You know, well, everything. it goes back to that. It's the black and white, like, yeah, all I'm or not nothing. supposed to do this. So therefore anything is bad. Yeah. yeah. And just like, just not knowing, not understanding like what's healthy touch, what's unhealthy touch, what's, Mm. what's okay. What's not okay. And I I knew not. So all of it was bad in my mind, you know, and anytime I felt any form of like excitement physically, that was bad too. Like everything was bad. It felt Mm -hmm. like, and if I was interested in boys, which I always was, since I can remember that was bad too, in my mind. Mm -hmm. 
So I get to college and um, I start dating my first boyfriend and also grew up in, you know, I kiss dating goodbye culture. And so I'm wow. thinking this is the guy I'm going to marry. And we haven't even officially started dating yet. <laughs> and mm-hmm. So much mm-hmm. pressure. Um, and he did not treat me right, but I did mm-hmm. not. I was crazy for him. And I also didn't want to start over again and have a mm-hmm. breakup on my resume. And so I just stayed with him. Yes. And we started, you know, getting more physical. And I remember the first few months we decided we were not going to kiss, but we were doing a whole lot of other things. (laughs) It's like, but we're not kissing for some reason. There was this like breakdown of like what it truly means to like be honoring in your sex life. So, um, and we, we didn't have sex. I was just thinking of the movie, pretty woman, like I was obsessed mm. with that movie when I was younger and um, way too young to be watching it, but I just love the fashion and the style and all the uh-huh. stuff because it all went over my head. Um, <laughs> but obviously there are messages and it's like kissing. She would not kiss. So when you just said like, we did other stuff, I'm like, well, that's a pretty woman influence right there. Yeah, there you, you probably go. didn't yeah. watch it because if you Correct. weren't watching Cinderella, <laughs> but yeah, Christine, see, it's funny. You can get these messages even when you yeah. don't see those movies. So it feels like they're everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we like, um, I remember the first time I felt really like I, I, he was sitting there with his arm around me. We had shortly started dating and I felt so turned on mm. and I felt so guilty, so much shame, sick to my stomach. And just like, I cannot believe I'm feeling this way. This is bad. This is bad. And I'm like, I don't know what he did. That was wrong. Like mm. maybe put his arm around me. I didn't realize like, that's normal. Like that's how God mm-hmm. made us. Our yeah. bodies respond and there's nothing yeah. bad or shameful about that. It just is. Um, and then, you know, as we went further, it ended up becoming more and more like I'm doing this to keep his attention. This is not a healthy mm. expression of my sexuality or my desire. This is like, I need to keep his attention. I don't feel good about what we're doing, but I really want this guy to notice me and not all Mm. these other girls. And he struggled with porn. I didn't want him to look at porn. Mm. I wanted him to look at me. And so I felt like if I just keep going further and further, then I can keep his interest and his attention. Yeah. Yeah. And so much shame. I just felt guilty all the time for what we were doing physically. And we never even had sex in that relationship, mm-hmm. but I still felt so guilty all the time. And yeah. like, it was this huge wall between me and God. I just felt like I couldn't yeah. even connect with God at all. Mm-hmm. And when we ended up breaking up, my dad was the one who broke it off. And um, he asked me, you know, like, I forget how it even came up, but somehow it came up like what we had done physically. And I was honest with my parents and my dad's like, called my boyfriend. He's like, I trusted you with my daughter and you have not been like treating her with honor or whatever. And so it's over. And I remember feeling like I've just ruined my life. Like no one is ever going to want to be with me again. No one is ever going to want to love me again. Like I just have messed up too badly. And how can God ever work in my life again from Mm. this case? So I guess the next that I broke up with him when I was, I want to say I was 19 and now I'm 35. And the next few years, I really struggled with an eating disorder and just hating my body. And I know for me, um, that was more from the messaging of like being thin enough for a guy to want you. I felt like if Mm -hmm. I could be skinny enough, I'd be desirable. But for a lot of women, I've heard purity culture leads to eating disorders. That Mm -hmm. idea of like internalizing the modesty message as my body is bad. Um, So a lot of people I've talked to have experienced that as a very common thing. But yes, I was struggling and struggling with like going out on dates with guys and then ghosting them because I felt like I was going to throw up every time I thought about seeing them again. Mm. I wanted so badly to be in a relationship, but I was so afraid. And Mm -hmm. I thought that that was just God speaking to me. I thought like, oh, God's showing me through feeling nauseous that I shouldn't be with this guy. Whereas really it was like, this is my past pain. (laughs) Yeah. And not that it was PTSD, but that idea of like that, like reliving it and the fear of relationships. Yeah. Am I, mean, I talking too long? Sorry. No, like, no. <laughs> okay. No, that's no, I think too. But I think bringing that up about, you know, maybe not the formal definition of PTSD, but there's definitely trauma there. And I think that's yeah. the big part that people don't understand is that 
if you haven't had, like, especially when we're talking about sex is that, mm-hmm. you know, it makes sense if you've had something that qualifies as like, this is part of trauma, like, mm-hmm. you know, an assault or something like that right. or abuse. But I think that there's just so much yeah. that's a part of our stories that yeah. does cause us trauma because if trauma is something that we are not able to emotionally process. And if you didn't even know the anatomical terms, right. And then you're going to these feelings. I mean, there's so much. And and I just was going to ask too, with your dad, like with him being so involved, how did that play into it all with him calling, like knowing more there's, there's like a lot yeah. there too. <laughs> like, why is he like, yeah, that was one of the most embarrassing conversations of my life. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. And I mean, it's, I mean, that's, it's like, this is all like, right. We're trying to like normalize this, but at the same time, you know, gosh, that's just, yeah. Every kid is like, I don't want my parents to know anything. I about. know. Well, I remember well, like, he asked me, like, I, I honestly cannot remember how we got on the topic, but I was like waffling about, should I break up with this guy? Should I not? Because he did not treat me right. There's so much more to the story yeah. that I'm not even getting into. He was like, controlling, manipulative, like borderline could become an abusive relationship. Like it was really bad. And I'm actually, I'm glad you shared that. Not glad it happened. I'm I'm sorry that happened, but I'm glad you shared that because without that, not that you need to, you never know anyone in your story, but without the context to me, when I heard it, it sounded like your dad was coming from a place of Mm. like, kind of that whole purity culture, like you oh. deflowered my daughter or you, you know, made her impure. Oh, yeah. So now I'm coming at you no. versus this is an unsafe person. Right. That, you know, cause yes, as parents, like don't F with my, yeah, exactly. Know, having it to was figure very, out how to do that, but cause we had asked my yeah. dad, like, can I, can we get married? And my dad said, I can't stop you, but I cannot give you my blessing. And like, mm. it was, he knew that this guy was not right for me. And I, was not yeah. willing to hear it. And that just kind of became the point, like the breaking point. And I yeah. was so thankful. It was such an embarrassing conversation, but yeah. it, I was so thankful he broke it off because I just did not have the strength yeah. to do it myself. And there was more going on. Like that's, I think, mm, important. Yeah. It wasn't just like you right. were wasn't exploring just physical, your sexuality right. and he got right. mad that you were not at all. That. So I'm glad to clarify that because like, oh I'm gosh, glad that we lot. did too. Yeah. Yeah. I know as um, you're telling your story, I like have all the pieces in my mind and I forget I like- only so much comes through. Yeah. So no, thank no, you but for that's clarifying so, that. But, and then not every detail is important or like I said, people are, are not everyone needs to know every part, but um, sure. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm glad yeah. your dad had your back in that. Yeah. Oh, me too. So, yeah. yeah. So you were so, saying you were the few years you were kind of yeah. you know, thinking Just it's so God, afraid. but it's, you know, your own pain and whatnot mm-hmm. kind of coming through with dating. Yeah. And so I finally um, went to my pastor and his wife and they're still really good friends of ours. Um, And I I went to my pastor's wife and said, I really want to date somebody, but every time, no matter how great the guy is, I feel like I'm going to throw up. Is this normal? (laughs) Is this God? And she's like, "Mm, no, you have some healing that needs to happen. And so she's like, how about you come meet with my husband and I, and let's talk. And that started like a mentorship and I'd meet with them like every, I don't know if it's every two weeks, every four weeks for a few years. And we'd just talk. And there was so much to my relationship that my parents didn't know. My best friends didn't know. Like nobody knew I'd never shared it because I was so embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And it felt so like, it just felt so like gross and heavy. And I didn't fall. Yeah. That's that shame. Yeah. Like no one can know if they know the truth, then they'll know that I yeah. X, Y, Z, you know? Yeah. And I'm such an open book in so many ways, but there was so much, I just wouldn't tell anybody again, that shame, like you said. And so I started sharing these things and they just pray with me and talk with me and kind of work through some of this. And they were so wise and so helpful. And I started slowly healing. And then there was this guy at church who a few years later was really interested in dating me. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. They're like, I think you just need to date somebody. And now I realize it's like, oh gosh, I forget the term, but um, there a form of healing is putting yourself back in a similar situation, oh, yeah. but that's a healthy one. Yeah. I forget the name for it, but I realize now looking back, I'm like, that's totally what happened. Like this guy, I dated him. He was a great guy. And just the way he treated me like was so healing. Yeah. And even just like in our physical relationship, like, again, I had decided to save sex for marriage and I still did in that relationship, but we still did a lot physically. And 
the way he would treat me. Cause I, he'd be like, I feel like you're trying to impress me right now. I feel like mm. you're not wanting to do this physically, but you're trying to push mm. things because you like, why is that? And I'd be like, oh yeah. Cause I think it'll keep your attention. And he's like, you don't have to do that to keep my attention. Like mm. I want to, I want to treat you right. And, and I was like, oh, you know, like someone would like, yeah. there's guys like this out there. It just was like crazy yeah. to me to realize like, this yeah. is what a healthy relationship is like. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we decided like, this isn't meant to be, um, but it was so healing for me to be in that relationship. Like I came out a better version of myself. And I, th- I, I like to think he did too. He was, yeah. I feel like we both were really good for each other in that season. And that also made me realize like, I don't have to date only one person. Like there is value yes. to dating. <laughs> I think that's like part of the narrative of wanting to, um, for especially young girls, you know, to know that, mm. cause you said it before you said, Oh, I have a breakup on my resume. Yeah. And I mean, I felt like that within my marriage, like, you know, we just have been walking through a lot of difficult stuff. And I have noticed that like, I wanted to get out of life scot-free. Like I wanted mm. to get out with like a perfect resume yes. that we have no baggage, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no red marks on our, right. on, our on our um marriage, on our lives. Uh-huh. You know, I don't want to. And it's like, that is all such, well, BS fallacy, whatever kind of Uh words we want to throw on it. And it's like, you know, and it starts, it's like, no wonder I feel this way as an adult, because when we're young, I went through mine because of the way I grew up with, there was that faith background. And Mm -hmm. I kind of knew the right thing to do was to wait for marriage. It wasn't as heavily influenced because I wasn't in the like evangelical world, but Mm-hmm. I still felt like that is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I remember I w- had a boyfriend off to college. We broke up right away because I discovered boys. Like, but <laughs> when I say I discovered boys, I mean, literally, I met a boy and it was like, he'll probably be my boyfriend the rest of the co- way through college, like <laughs> that I met at a party. Uh-huh. And like, well, and then that is actually, he asked me when we were going to have sex. And I was like, what? When are we going to have sex? Like, I just met you. Um, That was my introduction to college. Um, Like this stuff really happens. Throw you in the deep Um, end. Uh Yeah. Like I didn't know. So all that being said, it's like, yeah, if we don't even want to date and have too many on our resume, then Uh no wonder the shame goes so deep within our lives. Yeah. When it comes to sex and, you know, relationships. So, yeah. So fast forward to, um, I've worked through a lot of my stuff. I think I've worked through all of it. And then I meet my husband at age 28, say 28. Yeah. So I meet him as an, I re-meet him. We were actually friends, um, growing up. Our dads were housemates with a few other guys from their church before they met our moms. So, and then they each married our moms and we like grew up as kids going to the same church. So I knew him my whole life, but we'd lost touch for quite a few years and I re-met him. We started dating and um, I was like, why do I feel so insecure? Why am I going right back into like, I got to be sexy enough for him to want to mm. be with me. And like, then we get, we got married and building up to marriage. I'm like, I want to learn everything about sex. I want to have a great sex life. I've heard from so mm. many people who like, don't really love having sex once they're married. And I'm like, I have so much fun making out with them right now. Like, is that really going to go away once I get married? Like, I don't want that to go away, but that happened for so many of my friends. So I was like reading everything I could find and still trying to navigate the whole like balance of like, how far do we want to go? Cause we decided we didn't want to have sex, but we like, I I didn't want to feel guilty. I didn't want to like equate sex with guilt. And um, so even like, I think there's a lot of emphasis on women should be the one stopping their boyfriend from going too far. And Mm -hmm. we did not do that in our relationship. Mm. He was actually more often than not the one who's like, let's stop there. I think like, it's better for us to just stop here. And I think that really freed me up to be able to just like be in the moment and be present within my Mm. own body at that time, enjoying the experience. Um, Mm. That's a really good point right there, by the way, you talked about being in your body and that's so much of our healing too, is like, we get out of our body for whatever reason um, causes that. But yeah, you can't have good sex if you're not in your body. Like, yes, if you're like out in your head, it's just not going to feel as good. Yes. Yeah. So that's really huge. You know, a a really solid point right there. So I can't take credit for that. And I, but I just don't remember who I heard that from. (laughs) You're sharing it now. You get credit because you're sharing it now. (laughs) So you're okay. Um, But yeah, so 
we, I'm like getting, we're getting ready. We're learning everything we can. And, um, I go to the OBGYN and she's like, I've never had a, what's it called again? A pap smear. I never had one because it hurts so bad. And so I go Mm. to my doctor and I'm like, I've never worn a tampon because it hurts too bad. I've never had a pap smear because it hurts Mm. too bad. Like, what do I do? And she's like, well, there's different ways you can like work on this before or after marriage. So James and I decided we wanted to wait till we got married. And I was like, but what are we going to do? Like if I can't have sex on the wedding night, because you know, like you're waiting, you're Mm. waiting all this time. How can you wait any longer? And James is like, I've waited my whole life. What's the big deal if it's another couple of days? I don't care. I'm with you. Like, this is special. Like, it'll be the first time we're naked together. The first time we're like in the same bed together. And I was like, you're okay with that though? And he's like, yeah. Like, and just his view of sexuality is just so healthy. And like always has been. It's like, this is a relationship. This isn't just an act. This is like Mm -hmm. an intimacy. And like, there's more to it than just intercourse, you know? And so that and was I'm like, hearing, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm hearing yeah. open communication yes. about your guys's needs and values uh-huh. and being on the same page. Like that, yes. I think is so important that you have that. So for people listening, because it's like, yeah. like you said, everyone's views might be different on it. So uh-huh. whatever yours right. are. And the important thing is like, if this is your choice and your view, then the person you're with will respect that. And if they're yeah. not like that, yeah. cause the, the, during the sex series conversations, that was just every, every, um, episode that was the common theme was this open mm-hmm. communication yeah. and comfort and boundaries yes. with your partner. And if you can't yeah. talk about it with your partner, like you shouldn't be having it until you can talk mm-hmm. about it. That's and good. so I think that have, it, isn't it funny that we're so surprised that it's like, wow, he was the one stopping it. Wow, I know. Why he was this supportive just normal? of it. Yeah. Like, you know, wow, that's so great. He's so supportive of it. Like, well, it I should you know, just be how it is. Our, it helps yeah. And, and I mean, it's okay if there's, you know, if someone might be coming to a relationship where your values are different, but, you mm-hmm. know, working to be on the same team, I think is, right. is so important. So anyway, go ahead. But I just thought that was. Very oh, yeah. Important. Well, I feel like that also set the tone for. I still had a lot of baggage that I didn't realize I had. Um, and it kind of set the tone for like, I, I still thought like, it's my job to keep a guy's attention. Mm. It's my job to keep him from looking at porn. It's my job to be sexy enough. Um, and anytime he has any interest in sex whatsoever, I have to have sex with him. Mm. And it kind of set the tone for him being like, that's not healthy. Like, mm. I don't want you to have sex with me. Cause you feel like you're obligated to yeah. like, we don't just because I am turned on a little bit does not mean we have to have sex. And like, yes. that was mind blowing to me. I'm like, wait, really? I thought like as a Christian woman, like this was my job, you know? Yep. And then how are you going to enjoy sex if it's duty sex? Like, how is that at all fun? <laughs> and then it just starts changing it. So like the first yeah. few years, well, the first, the first year of our marriage, I really struggled to figure out how to orgasm. Like mm. I had associated pleasure with something being wrong. Yeah. I did not know my body at all. Um, and I just, I, I just couldn't figure it out. I'd get so frustrated. And James was so sweet and patient. He'd be like, let's play a nights that are just all about you. Like, he's like, I think you're getting distracted by trying to make sure I'm having a good time. So these nights do not think about me. I am. I promise you I'm having a great time. And like, (laughs) we are just going to focus on you and be like, have a romantic evening, like spread out a picnic blanket, get wine, get some flowers, turn on music and candles, and just like spend an hour just trying to figure out what kind of touch I liked because I had Mm. no idea. And so it was slow. And I remember the first couple of years just feeling like, why isn't it easier to orgasm? Then I remember when I started orgasming regularly, I was like, yes. And then I remember the first time I had like, I hope this isn't TMI. James tells me I don't have a filter, but, um, I love it. Like, yes, let's go there. I love it. Yeah. I remember the first time I had five orgasms in a row and I was like, holy crap, like what just happened? I wrote it in my journal and I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. And so it was like definitely such a process, but like so worth it. And part of it was like learning how to be present. Mm. learning how to give like surrender to the pleasure instead of Mm -hmm. judging it or trying to figure it out or whatever. I just love that you shared that by the way, because once again, if we're putting this in the religious 
you know, context mm. of faith uh-huh. and sex. Yeah. Like you said, there's this, like, am I allowed to talk about that? I had five orgasms. Yeah. Like, because the context I feel like is, you know, oh, if we're talking about this, especially if we got into conversations of details, it's like, you know, one, if that's not, but it feels like if you look into that stuff, it, it feels from that context, like shameful, like mm. it's just, we do it. It's quiet, mm. <laughs> gets the job done. And then we move on, you know, uh-huh. but it's like, why is this not celebrated? Why right. is this not? And if someone's not willing to say it, like if you, you know, and that's why I love, thank you to my guests who are willing and able to talk about things publicly, you know, all the topics. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Like, Hey guys, if you are listening and you are a quote, good Christian girl, uh-huh. you, you have permission to have five orgasms in yes. one sitting. Right. One- and to celebrate like every milestone. I remember with James, like every, like the first time I like figured out this works. Like I orgasm regularly when we do this, like we'd like celebrate that. We'd be like, you remember that last night? That was so cool. Or like, you know, the next day, like I'm still thinking about that, you know, just like, just to like celebrate it and like, feel like we made this milestone. And then the next one, and I don't want to say milestone. Cause it's not like a competition or a race or anything. Yeah. But just, like we figured this out. And it was yeah. just like, it built a lot of intimacy because you're like figuring it out together and going on this adventure and not having to have it all figured out right away. Yeah. And you're not going to stop because as we get yes. older, like that's one thing I'm learning too, is that, you know, sex is going to change when you, yeah. what about, I listened to this one podcast, all of my friends sent it to me after I told her about the, that we were going to do a sex series. She's like, you got to listen to this one on aging and sex. And it's about Ooh. old people having sex and, you know, and that's like a total uh-huh. taboo, like yeah, totally about that. And uh-huh. it's like, yeah, you gotta, you know, these awkward conversations that we're having. And I think that's too. And, and so I'd love to pick your brain about that too, about you talk to your husband about it. You need to have that. Mm-hmm. Obviously uh-huh. that is never, or your spouse, you know, your partner, you have to have that communication, but then like, are you allowed to talk about it with your friends? Are you allowed? I, and I, by the way, that's like BS me saying aloud, but uh-huh. in that Christian world, you know, cause there's a lot of that toxic messaging with marriages. And that's, I think why there's prevalent abuse, because it's like, oh, you don't talk about your marriage mm. issues beyond your spouse. Like, mm-hmm. no, God yeah. calls to be in community. That's my personal yeah. view. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Like, can we talk about this? Can we talk about our sex life with our friends on a podcast? Right. I mean, I feel like it's so much just like knowing what you and your spouse are both comfortable with, mm-hmm. with sharing. And James, like, he knows I'm an open book. He could care less. And I love that about love that. him. So yeah. I'm like, I know I'm like free to share like anything with anybody because he really does not care. But like, I know there's more private people and who yeah, might for sure. feel differently. But yeah, I think it's just like, when you like talk about stuff, people know that they can talk with you. And so I love that. Like I have different friends who've come to me and said, like, my husband says a good Christian wife should do this in the bedroom. And she's like, I don't feel comfortable. And I'm like, there should be none of that in a Christian marriage. Like this is about respect and like mutual pleasure, mutual consent. This is not a dictatorship, you know, where Mm -hmm. you got to serve the man, whatever he wants. This is, this is you're in it together and what's good for both of you. And I mean, if you can't have those conversations, you're going to end up being guilted and shamed into something and sex is going to get worse and worse and you're going to dread it. And like, even with James, when we were first married, I'd be like, okay, he used to tease me. He's like, you just have to be above average. Don't you? We like read in this book, like the average, the average couple of sex this many times because like, we have to have it more than that. Like this a type, I don't know, perfectionist Mm -hmm. ending was like, I can't can't let my husband down. And Mm. I think even that pressure, even though it wasn't from James, it was just from me that still impacted how much I could enjoy sex. Cause when it's out of shoulds, it is just not as fun. It is just like, and then it kind of spirals because then you associate sex, sex with duty and yep. not being fun. And the next time it's even harder to have fun. And yes. so we got to like get that out. And so all this messaging and purity culture about like sex is a duty, sex is an obligation. And Tammy wants it. Like you're destroying women's sex lives. Yes. You are destroying that. Yes. So that just needs to stop. It's all a conversation. It's all a compromise. It's all mutual. Mm. So yeah. If you want good sex, if you want yes. orgasms, you got, it's gotta be figuring it out it. together. Huh. Yes. I'm glad to hear you say that because that is once again, in the sex series, that was a common thread. And I love that yeah. it's true within the context of Christian 
marriage, yeah. you know, for you, for what you're sharing. Like, yeah. I just, I think that when things get compromised, like values or things mm-hmm. like that, it's detrimental. Just we as people, you know what I mean? It should fit mm-hmm. in with kind of our, our like humanity maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So talking, I know you talk to a lot of women and things like that. So we kind of, you know, this last part we were talking kind of about this context in marriage and mm-hmm. and having that. How do you talk to girls that are coming up now where there's not mm-hmm. as much, there's not that, that as much as the purity culture, but it yeah. almost seems like that purity culture voice seems smaller, mm-hmm. but it's like, okay, there's so much sex in the world, but I think the message is still it's wrong. It's bad. It's just quieter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not, right. it's, it's kind of overtaken uh-huh. by all this. And so how do you kind of talk to girls trying to navigate that and figure out their own values and mm. boundaries and things like that? Yeah. So real quick, because I don't want to forget yeah. at the end when yeah. with the married sex portion, I would be remiss to not mention um, Sheila Gregor's work um, in the great sex rescue. She talks about research evidence-based breaking down a lot of those myths that Christian women have believed in marriage. So um, I just want to make sure I mention that for all your listeners, if they haven't checked it out. Thank you. Um, Yeah. So for, for younger women. So I think in theory, when they're old enough to understand nuance, I want like at a developmental stage where they can get that. Cause I know for a while it's just black and white. Like we talked about, I want them to understand the different approaches within the Christian world to sexuality, because we think, at least I thought growing up, like Christianity is the white evangelical church, predominantly white evangelical church. Like that Mm -hmm. was the true Christians, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the right way to do things. And that's just such a small drop in the bucket, like historically, but also worldwide globally. And so I kind of want my girls to have a bigger picture and not just like, here's the rules, here's what's right and Mm -hmm. wrong. But instead, like, here's what some Christians believe and here's what other Christians believe and here's why there's nuance. So even in the Bible, looking at when there was sex was talked about in the Bible, like there was often this like subservient role, like sex was not between two equals relationships Mm. in marriage were not between two equals. The woman was like property. So Mm -hmm. we have to keep that in mind. It's not as cut and dry and clear cut as we think when we just read it without that context. So I guess I want my girls to understand that so that they can kind of decide for themselves, like, Mm -hmm. what do I believe about sexuality? Mm -hmm. Um, I also want them to know like anatomically correct names. Like we already use those with my three-year-olds because it's just important to know, like, this is a part of your body and there's no shame in naming it. Mm -hmm. If there's, if you can't talk about it, you got to use a funny word. It automatically gives this idea of it's shameful. It's bad. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so the anatomically correct names um, and kind of answering questions as they come up to the level that they're comfortable with and just seeing your relationship as being full of communication and healthy and loving, like mommy and daddy like to hug each other. Mommy and daddy like to kiss, you know, like just mm-hmm. seeing that, like we love each other. We like each other, I think is helpful. Um, yeah. And then talking about the like good touch and bad touch, like communication, yeah. like you knowing that you can be assertive enough to say your needs. And that starts without even anything to do with sex, you know, but even yeah. the way you handle when your kid's like, mommy, I really want this <laughs> to say like, I'm so glad that you could tell me what you want. We tell my yeah. girl that all the time. You might not always get it, but it's so important to be able to say it and to like, yeah honor that their desires. And even when they say, don't tickle me. Okay. I won't, I won't tickle you, you know, like for sure. So like kind of building that self-respect and that assertiveness in as a good thing, because even growing up as a woman, like you're assertive, you're a bitch, you know, like women are not assertive and like, that's so unhealthy. That leads to abuse and domestic violence. And so anyway, yeah, those are the big things that I like think of immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as we start wrapping up, you know, kind of going back to this context of sex within marriage. And so, okay, we've already blown the lid off of you can be a Christian and you can have five orgasms in one sitting and you should enjoy it. Yeah. I want to take the shoulds out. I'm like, but you know, like, yeah, no, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you, but I think that's, and that, that has been a common theme of like Mm -hmm. women, especially like you can enjoy sex. You not wanting to have the shoulds, but it's like, you should, if it's, I love what, um, 
one of my former guests, Ashley Grubbs, a therapist said, she's like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Mm. And it's like, that seems so simple, mm. but I would say if I polled, you know, most married women, it's mm-hmm. like, I can't oh, do that. Yes. I haven't even, I don't even remember my last <laughs> hell yes. You know, like, yeah, yeah. it's so common. And, and it's so, a journey to get there. Yeah. Yes. Like, so, it, so exactly. So what have you found, you know, being that you speak to women about this, you know, if a woman is at a place where it's like, how do I start getting, cause you said something mm-hmm. about exploring touch and that's something mm-hmm. that came up in, in the, with the, the sex therapist too, about touch and things like that. There's all mm-hmm. these things that it's like questions to ask of like, mm-hmm. what does it look like to, to, what does it feel like to you when mm-hmm. you want to, there's just so much, yeah. but I think getting from that place of sh- sex is shameful and it's just something to check the block, to do, mm-hmm. to get to this place for where my husband, not for me. Yeah. Yes. Thinking uh-huh. of your own pleasure. So to ha- kind of, st- to start stepping out of that box and to get into that place where there's more, let's call it sexual freedom, maybe yes. even. Yeah. How can a uh-huh. woman start walking that road? Mm. I think for me, like when we first got married, I started going to therapy. Mm. Um <laughs> And it wasn't even about sex. And yet yeah. it totally impacted our sex life in a positive yeah. way. It was like all these insecurities and shoulds and the way I saw my faith and the world is black and white and just breaking through all of that, starting the deconstruction process really started setting our sex life free too. And then it became yes. like noticing, like, this is what turns me on. This is what makes me in the mood. So I can get, I can yes. know how to put myself in that spot and to also like, again, not judge it. Cause there were so many times mm. I start to get turned on and immediately I judge it. There'd be that like, no, I don't want to do this. No, I don't want to do this. Cause it's just about him. Really? I'm like turned on. Why is this just about him? Oh, you know, like all yes. this stuff. So it wasn't even necessarily shame. Sometimes it was, but it was more like, yeah. no, then I'm just me doing this for him really, Tiffany, you are turned on right now. This is not just yes. for him, you know? And so like learning to take that and embrace it and surrender to it and say, okay. And I remember the first time I texted James, it was like, any chance you can take a lunch break from work today? <laughs> like come home. He's like, what? So like, and just to like lean into that and say like, yeah. here are the things that like really get me in that mind fr- frame and then put yourself yeah. there, give yourself permission to be there and like, yeah. just take hold of it. And it will take time to figure that out. Like, I remember feeling yeah. really frustrated for a couple of years. Cause it was, it felt like nothing worked regularly. It was constantly this guessing yeah. game and I hated it. And I was like, I want to figure this out. So it all feels good. Yes. But even just being able to say like, that actually doesn't really feel like anything. Can we try something else? You know, not that it feels mm. bad. It just doesn't do anything for me. So let's yeah. try something else. And yes. So yeah, I think for me, it was like starting to like recognize, okay, I'm interested. Let's do this. And like, yeah. not try to shut down the pleasure. Like I had the whole time I was dating and instead yes. just like give into it. So yes. yeah, that's perfect. I love, you know, it's funny. You mentioned therapy first and how it improved your sex life. And I think mm, it's just such yeah. a reminder how we are so interconnected, you know, it's yeah. like your mind, body, soul, all of it is so connected and mm, how it really is you, you work on one area and it affects another. And, you know, I remember in our series, we talked with um, author Ashley Renard and she, and like, it starts off about sex and Mm. wanting to spice up their sex life and discovering after going down that road that like, wait a second, Mm. it's not about the sex there's Mm. other. And when, and when she worked on herself and then things within their marriage communication, suddenly the sex life was improving. Mm, And I just thought it's so true. You know, we think it's just this one thing, but it's so connected. And I think that when we heal those parts of ourselves, because the thing is we all come to the table with our, with our own sex story, right? Whether you, Mm -hmm. whether you wait till marriage, whether you don't, you know, whether Mm -hmm. you have a religious background, whether you don't like, it doesn't matter. We all still have all this stuff. And if we can sort it out and like untangle it, I think you hit the nail on the head with that's when we get to that freedom to explore those questions of what is mm. pleasure, what does, you know, all this desire and whatnot look like. And I think the more we can normalize that, yeah, the better sex people and especially women can have. So totally. Yeah. My husband and I total shameless self-plug here, but my husband Love and I it. created this um, course called the wedding night talks. And it's all about like helping women 
like me and guys too, but it's really geared toward women like me who like, I grew up, I didn't get a sex talk. I didn't know the anatomical names and I wanted to enjoy sex. Like, how do you get from nothing to like a great sex life? And so it's all, it's called the wedding night talks. Cause it's like, here's the things you talk about. Here's the things you need to know. Here's yeah. Here's stuff you can do to improve your sex life. So, um, that I feel I just want to put out there as a resource as well. Yes. Although it sounds like your podcast is an amazing resource already. Oh no, so, I'm so yeah. glad. No, my, actually my whole podcast and platform is trying to help push people to like mm. the different areas. And so that is perfect yeah. because what I'm finding, you know, it's like, I think, and I've said this before, it's like, you don't have to fit in one camp, you know, you don't have mm. to be out mm-hmm. there exploring everything mm-hmm. or saving yourself for marriage, but then mm-hmm. never talking about sex and having no. And by the way, purity culture comes with just as much baggage as, as anything like yes. people are like, don't have sex before marriage. You'll have baggage. I'm sorry. Like shame. That's baggage right there. And that affects your sex yeah. life right there. Yeah. Oh, totally. A random. Yeah, no, it's so addition. true. I mean, well, that's, I think the thing is, I think that we go into, and this is true and not just sex, so many things. I think we, and I, that's kind of the universal, we are the pushing the shame. Well, it's more actually, no, the we of pushing the shame culture mm-hmm. and purity culture is we think that if we don't, if we stay away from it, it'll, mm-hmm. it will solve the problems. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we see sexual, I don't even want to use terms like sexual sin or immorality because that's putting mm-hmm. judgments mm-hmm. on it. But like, you know, you see the destruction that sex can have, you sure. know, the, uh-huh. the, the, cause that's true, no sexual matter what the brokenness or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we see the sexual brokenness. So because we're black and white, it seems like, oh, having sex causes these problems. Therefore, if mm-hmm. we don't have sex, that will solve all those problems. Right. Right. It's like, nope, that just yeah. opens up, which is why kind of actually the platform of flushing out. That's why healing your shit is bottom line, what we need to do. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. That's just part of it. Yeah. So I love that resource. I'm so glad you shared that because I want women too, and, and men too, you know, or anyone, anyone who does want to wait until they're married to also feel empowered with that choice to yeah. not feel like that they have to go down another road. Mm-hmm. And that's for me personally, like, what do I believe? What are my beliefs? How do yeah. I want to talk to my kids about this? I'm in the process of figuring that out. And like yeah. I said, these conversations are just giving me that freedom to one, as we said in the beginning, it's okay to not know Mm. and to figure it out. You know, there's so much nuance and gray area. And so we Mm. can, we can walk it out together and not keep everything so secretive. And yeah, so totally. Now, how can people find you to stay connected? So um, my Instagram is Tiffany Dawn IQB. Um, So I, as an ice cream, well, it really is the name of my first book, Insatiable Quest for Beauty. So IQB. Um, but yeah, so that's probably the best way. Or my website is tiffanydawn.net. Awesome. Thank you so yeah. much, Tiffany. I appreciate you, you talking all about the sex. And I know we just scratched the surface. And so I love that oh, you have resources that people can dig yeah. into more and normalize these conversations. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, where we explore growth and healing through vulnerable conversation. Our hope is that you feel seen and find tools for growing resiliency and tackling your own growth and healing. Be sure to subscribe and check out the VIPs and other resources at samanthaspittle.com. This has been a Spitfire production. thing I've ever heard.